Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. How many brought a Bible today? Come on, how many brought a Bible? You brought a physical Bible or you brought an electronic Bible or something? Would you just take your Bible for a moment and hold it up? I mean, if it's your phone, that's okay. No shame in here. Just take it, hold it up right now. And would you repeat after me? Say, this is my Bible. Say, it's God speaking to me. So I open my heart today to hear and receive the word of God. Amen. Would you open your Bibles today to Philippians chapter 4 and then put a second finger in Malachi chapter 3. Philippians chapter 4 and Malachi chapter 3. We are on uh, the, the third teaching of the blessing series. Remember, the blessing is a proclaimed empowerment to prosper that the Lord has. So are you preaching prosperity? Well, I'm preaching the blessing of God. It's used over 300 times in the word of God. When God first, when Adam and Eve were first on the earth, before he told them to be fruitful and multiply, the Bible says he blessed them. He spoke blessing. He barocked them. He spoke blessing over their lives. Then he said, be fruitful and multiply. There's a lot of people who are trying to be fruitful and multiply without the blessing of God on their lives. Right? And then Noah, when Noah came out of the ark for the first time, the Bible says he blessed Noah and his family. Then he said, you know, fill the earth, replenish the earth. When he spoke to Abraham and he said, I want you to get out of your country, go to a new land. He spoke blessing and he said, and if you go and obey me, I will bless you. I will speak a pronouncement of blessing. Again, it's not blessings. It's not a show me the money God thing. No, what is it? It's a God pronouncing blessing on your life that things just work in your life a lot of times you would never know whether you're under the blessing if you've never been under the curse before right you've never been under something where you're trying so hard and things just don't work I've been there have you ever been there where you're trying you're working harder and it seems like it's just not working things aren't coming together for you but let me tell you what you need you need the blessing of the Lord the hand of the Lord you can put up your own sails but if the wind of this if God's wind isn't in your sails you're not going anywhere So you need the blessing of God. That's what we're talking about. And again, let me just tell you, everything that I talk about here, if it's not the word of God, don't listen to it. Don't listen to me just because I'm a good looking preacher. Listen to the word of God. If I'm not preaching the word of God, then then that's not what you should. Don't listen to me because I said it. Go back and fact check it, right? Fact check it. Fact check the word of God. Everything that I'm saying, I'm going to preach out of the word of God. So today, um, I'm talking about a subject that I know you're all excited that I'm going to talk about. Never talked about it before. Uh, In two and a half years, we've been open as a church, and I've never talked about this subject. But today, I'm going to preach it hard and preach it life-giving, and it's the blessing of tithing. Woo! Woo! Knowing that 75% of the church don't tithe, I know you're happy about that. Amen. I don't know about this church. I'm just talking about the church at large, right? So a lot of people just won't even talk about it because they'll just say, well, people are going to leave the church. If you walk out, hey, I'm not thinking you don't tithe or you don't like me or something like that. It's cool. I know you just had to go to the bathroom, okay? But I'm just telling you, I'm going to preach tithing today. You know why? Because you need to know because tithing is a part of receiving the blessing of God. Somebody say amen. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, we just quoted it. Paul said to the church of Philippi, my God shall, say it with me, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I know a lot of people want to claim that, but I want to tell you who Paul said that to. Paul said that to a church, and he just said a few verses before in verse 15, he said, I have, I have experienced a lot of churches, but I haven't experienced churches like you. You guys are the best in giving and receiving. He said, and because of that, you're a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord, and the Lord's well-pleasing to you. And then he said this scripture, so over you, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What is he saying? You took care of the kingdom of God, God's going to take care of you. Somebody say Amen. Paul wrote this to this church. See, there's a law of sowing and reaping in both the natural world and the spiritual world, and it's a law that works whether we like it or not. It seems like there's more people over the years. I've been in ministry for over 20 years, and it seems like there's more people who fail in their faith when it comes to money than any other thing I've seen. When it comes to money, they have some stop up and they don't know how to break through, how to get through when it comes to faith, when it comes to their finances. The reason is because they're trying to exercise faith in their finances, but they haven't planted any seed. They haven't put any seed in the ground, but they're asking God to bless the seed. Do you know that a hundredfold of zero is zero? God, bless, bless my giving. A hundredfold of zero, zero, right? But um, they didn't plant any seed, and they want God to bless their finances even though they haven't sown anything. But the Bible clearly says, the principles in the word, Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will God cause men to give unto your bosom? For, and uh, he says, with the same measure you give, it'll be measured back to you. It also plainly says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says that he who sows sparingly. You know what that means? Cheap, skate. You want to be a cheap skate with God? He's going to be a cheap skate with you. That's, I didn't say it, right? Pastor, that's pretty strong. Can't believe you're saying that. Oh, listen, believe you me, I don't want to preach this message. Church doesn't need your money. Church doesn't need things. I'm preaching this for you because the Bible says, the Bible says this is part of the blessing of God. And I'm telling you, I've experienced it in my own life. He says, if you want to give a little bitty scoop to God, and then you say, give big scoop to me. He says, no, I'll give the same scoop. You give a little bitty scoop to God. He say, hand me that scoop. I'll scoop a little bitty back to you. But if you want to give big scoop, he'll give big scoop, Right? That's just the way it is. Remember, the, Jesus was watching the offering. He saw the woman with the two mites, and he saw the rich man. He, he commented on it. Notice who was watching the offering. Jesus was, okay? It's not people. It's Jesus. If you want a bountiful crop, you have to sow bountifully. You cannot reap without sowing seed. You cannot go into your backyard and look down and pray that you'd find tomatoes. Oh, God, I pray. I pray today that I'd have some tomatoes. And someone looks over and says, did you plant any seed? No, I'm just praying for God to bless the tomatoes. No, he's not going to bless the dirt. He's going to bless the seed. You have to put seed in the ground and then ask God to bless the seed, right? And that's what happens is we think these things just apply in the natural world, but they don't apply in the spiritual world, okay? We cannot reap without sowing some seed. You can't go into your backyard and just pray that anything will come up if you haven't planted it. The same with spiritual things. The Bible also says bring the tithe and prove if God won't open for you the windows of heaven. He says, you do your part, and he'll do his part and bless it. Why are you talking about money in church? 
I don't like this. If I would have known this was, I'm a first time visitor. I knew that's what church, I haven't been to church in a long time. I knew that's what the church, no, listen. It's the first time I've talked about tithing other than, you know, before, before offering time or something. This is the first time I've done a message on this, but I fought the Lord on it just a little bit. But, uh, but, uh, but I, I, love, I love you too much not to talk about it. So, because the Bible talks about money and possessions. Do you know that more than 500 verses in the Bible are about prayer? More, about almost 500 verses in the Bible are about faith, but there are more than 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about money and possessions and how to be a good steward of them. Do you know that out of Jesus' 38 parables that he gave, 16 of them were about money and about stewardship? <laughs> you talk about God and, and, and the word of God talking about stewardship and money. It's a part of our lives. Why? Because your money is attached to your heart. If you don't think it's true, some of you are angry right now on the inside. It's because we're talking about this. But your money is attached to your heart. It's why all throughout the word of God, the Bible talks about tithing. The Bible talks about bringing the first fruit. The Bible talks about bringing the first uh, of what the, your animal that opens up the womb, your, your child who is the, your first child. Everything is the very first God wants. Why does he want it? Because he needs something from you? No, because he wants your heart to stay open to him and rely on him as the source of your life. Clearly, the Bible wants us to understand about money and how to handle it. Sometimes the only thing that Christians know about money is I need more of it. Show me the money, God. I like this blessing series. No, no, no. Well, it's not just about getting the blessing. It's about being a blessing. If all you are believing for is your four and no more, that's kind of selfish prayers. You should pray for overflow. Why? So that you can be abundant for other people. God wants you to be a blessing to other people. But if you don't even have enough two nickels to rub together, how are you going to be a blessing to somebody else? I'll bless them spiritually. Yeah, but they need some food. Somebody say amen. So here's what I'm going to ask you today. I want to teach you how to walk in the blessing of God for just a few minutes here, but I want you to keep your spiritual heart open. I know when Jesus, before he preached, he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know what he was saying? He knew that a lot of people walk into messages like this and they think, I already know what I believe, so I'm just going to listen to you to see if it lines up with what I already know. That's not ears to hear. See, the biggest barrier to truth is the assumption that you already have it. So the biggest barrier to truth is the assumption that you already have it. So if you already know what you're talking about, you just want to see if the preacher if it lines up with what I believe because I can go and Google and find out that tithing's not, nah, 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 and I could find out all this stuff. Well, what? no, 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 no. All I said was listen to the Bible and listen to the Holy Spirit and let's see what he has to say today, okay? And, uh, and I'll talk more about that later. But the blessing of tithing. I'm not talking about the law. I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm not talking about pressure. I'm not talking about checking, see what you're given and all those kinds of things. No, tithing's something between you and God. And it really will affect you and your relationship with the Lord. It's the blessing and the joy of tithing. I've lived under it all my life, so I know. Look at Malachi chapter uh, 3. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 7. Malachi 3, 7. It says, Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances. And you say, and you have not kept them. God says to this people, return to me, and I will return to you. Notice, it's not just saying, God, I need you. God says, I need you to do something first. 
Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, well, in what way shall we return? He says, show up to church. No, he didn't say that. He said, he says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Now, is there anybody in here who would just rob God? God? Jesus walks in with his robe. He has his loose robe on. He has his big, big pockets in here. And you're like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to sneak some, see how much money he has in his robe. I'm going to pull out a $100 bill you know, out of his robe. Nobody's going to rob God. And that's what they're saying. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. And they looked back at him and they said, how have we robbed you? And you know what he said? In tithe and offering. Haven't I said over and 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 over again before the law? Isn't tithing in the law? Well, sure it is, but it was 430 years before, 403 years before the law also. Before the law, during the law, after the law. Jesus talked about it. Paul talked about it. Hebrews dedicated a couple chapters to it. Tithing is a principle in the Bible all throughout the word of God. And he's saying, and you've robbed me. Now, again, this is no condemnation. I'm just talking the word. That's what he said to these people. Okay, he says, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. He says, so you're cursed with a curse. (laughs) See, let me just tell you, we can't get the blessing of God on our lives when we have the curse of God on our lives. How can we walk in the blessing and the curse at the same time? We can't. In fact, that same word curse is the same word that he told Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. He said, I'll put a pronouncing, I'll put a, 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 an obvious curse on the person who esteems you lightly. God said, the person who robs me in tithe and offering, there's a curse that's on your life. Things just won't work like they should. He says, you're cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So bring all the tithes, notice, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Notice he said in my house and try me now in this. He says, you bring and you try me. This is one of the only places in the Bible where God says you can test God. You can try God. You can tell God, God, I'm putting you to the test to see if you'll do it. God says, try me now in this and see if I will not. And he tells you four things. Open the windows of heaven, pour you out blessing that you don't have room enough to receive it. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. You'll be a delightful land. He said, and all the nations will call you blessed. That's what that's will happen. So return to me. How do I do it? With tithe and offering. See, God sees the tithe as his money. You can't give tithe. Tithe doesn't belong to you. Tithe doesn't belong to me. It never did in the Bible. The first part, the tithe is really, it. God sees it as his money. It's his. So he didn't say give tithe. He said bring tithe. Why? Because it's his. You can't give tithe. It ain't yours to give. <laughs> you can only bring it to him. And if you don't bring it to him, if you spend it on something else, then he says, you ripped me off. <laughs> Do you still love me today? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's what he's saying. Can you see? That's what he's saying to these people right here. Okay, he's saying, he's saying you've robbed me with tithe and me. So what is the tithe? Well, a tithe means a tenth. It's just, it, tithe equals tenth. In other words, tithe doesn't equal fifth. Tithe doesn't equal 20th. You can't tithe a fifth. You can't tithe a 20th. You can't tithe a 15th. You can't tithe seven. You tithe a 10th. A tithe means 10th. According to the word of God, the tithe belongs to the Lord. Our t- I believe with all of my heart that New Testament, us today, a 10th, the first 10th of our income belongs to the Lord. 
okay? Offering is something besides the tithe that you pay. It's a free will offering. So if you want to give, you want to give to missionaries, you want to give to people, you want to give to ministries. I give to missionaries. I give to ministries. Our church does. We give. But that's not tithe. You can't, I can't designate the tithe to something. I bring the tithe back to the house of the Lord, according to the Bible here, okay? The simple de definition of tithing is giving the first 10% of your income to God through your local church, and I'm going to show you this. Let me tell you, first of all, the current stats on tithing. Tithers only make up 10 to 25% of a congregation. Did you know that in nationally, people who are, are believers that come to church, tithers are only 10%. It's kind of the Pareto principle. You know, 20% do 80% or do the majority of the work. It's the same thing. It's really the same amount of people who will serve in church, about 20%. So uh, I think it narrows down. If you narrow it down to one number, it's about 17%. But between 10 and 25% of a congregation uh, are tithers. Uh, religious giving is down about 50% since 1990, according to the New York Times. On average, Christians give 2.5% of their income to churches. In the Great Depression, it was 3.3%. But now it's down to 2.5%, even worse than the Great Depression. See, I believe the reason why is because people haven't taught on it. And faith comes by hearing, and how can you step out and apply if you don't hear? But also, we've seen people that aren't uh, blessed. The average giving of adults who attends a U.S. Protestant church is about $17 a week. 37% of regular church attendees and evangelicals don't give any money to church. 37%. That means that, say in this room, over a third of you would never give any money into church. Now, we'd walk into restaurants, we'd eat, we'd order dessert, we'd order appetizers, but you'd never think about getting up and walking out, right? Someone, someone grab you and tackle you and make you do the dishes, right? In church, we don't charge, you know, of course, we never will. It's free. The gospel's free. But can I tell you, the, the gospel's free, but all the things that go on in church and ministry, it's not. Bills come in, they have to be paid, and somebody pays for them. And there are people who are giving over and above to be able to pay for those things. So that's why Malachi, in Malachi, God told him, return to me. How do we return to you? Return to me in tithe and offering. Why? So the church has enough, right? It takes care of my house. He says, my house. It's not just man's house. It's my house. So I'm going to give you five blessings of tithing. Write these down. I'm telling you, I promise you, they're going to bless you. This is for you. It's not to get something from you. I promise you. My goal in this is not to get one dollar, one cent out of your pocket into the church. That's not what it's for. My goal is to empower you to prosper and, and see you get in alignment with God's word so that God's word can uh, prosper you. Uh, five blessings of tithing. Number one, tithing takes care of God's house. Takes care of God's house. It requires money to keep the house of God. Uh, mortgage, utilities, equipment, ministry supplies, renovation, fishy crackers for the kids, uh, um, services, staffing, you know, the cameras, things that are going on. God's house doesn't charge money, but it does take money to keep it going. Um, so where do I tithe? Well, notice what he says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. He never said you send the tithe to the mission field. You send the tithe to a ministry. He said, bring the tithe. Why? Because the tithe goes with you. 
Wherever you worship, wherever your local church is, wherever your place is, that's where you bring the tithe into that place. You can send to a charity or send to a mission. It's good to send offering. Again, I do it. Our church does it. But the tithe we bring to the house of the Lord. The tithe was instituted by God in the Old Testament for the purpose of taking care of the Levites and their families. The Levites didn't receive an inheritance in Canaan, as did the other tribes. There was 12 tribes. The one tribe didn't receive any inheritance. They couldn't receive any land. So he said the 12 tribes are going to bring in the first tenth, and that's going to, that goes to the Levites to take care of them. Today, pastors and staff members and those who work at the church are the modern-day, the current-day Levites that were like in the, uh, in the Old Testament. The church serves as the tabernacle of God. Really, the people are the, the body. They're the body of Christ. The church is the tabernacle of God. Really, people are the church. But you have priests, you have ministers, you have uh, pastors, you have staff members that so that they don't have to go work out another job and do other things, they can come and take care of the things of the Lord. But if only 2.5% is coming back into the church, what happens? Well, now you have pastors and staff members and all that. They're working all other jobs. They come in last minute trying to pull the details together, trying to get it together, except just a few big churches and things like that that have all the details together. And who suffers? The house of God. And then we say, pour out your spirit. And God's like, seriously? Bring in the tithe. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, when you see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, even Solomon, you see to where the priest couldn't even stand, it was right after there was big giving that came in where the people, they had, when you, whenever you see a move of God, you see a move of money. When you see in the book of Acts that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what happened? People came in and they began to give and nobody in the place were without. Why? Because they were giving free will so that people, the body of Christ, the church could have. And what happened? They had to stop them because they were giving too much. Why? Because it was a move of God. It was happening. And what does God want to happen? God wants our hearts to be that way. No church is perfect, but it is important to be part of a local Bible-believing church. Can somebody say amen? where you call home. The physical building is also important. In this place is a place where you receive spiritual nourishment. You receive the word of God. We come in and we worship. We fellowship. It's a place where we bring in our gifts. We bring in our talents. We bless one another. It's important to have the house of God. It's a place where people will come to Jesus as we saw this morning. The Old Testament, there was a number of feasts in the tabernacles and they come together and celebrate but in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Come together, exhort one another, encourage one another. Psalm chapter 92, verse 12 and 13, it says this. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And those who are planted, listen, in the house of the Lord. Can you say house of the Lord? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Listen, being planted or committed to a life-giving local church is a part of you flourishing in the things that God has for you. Why? Because you think you can do it all alone, but there's going to be days where you're down and you need to come in and get encouraged by one another. Those who are planted, I would encourage everybody, every person in here, every person watching, get planted in the house of the Lord. And if you say, I don't like this house, then go to a, another house and get planted in the house of God. It's important. So where do you tithe? Well, in the Old Testament, the place that they'd return their tithe would be a place that he would set his name. It would be the tabernacle. Today, it's the local church where you and your family belong, where you worship. 
Giving to other ministries is also important, but it should be done with offerings. You can give above and beyond. I do that myself. You can give above and beyond. Uh, you read this. We read this for our offering time today that in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he says, on the first day of each week, you should set aside a portion of money you've earned. Don't wait until I get there and try to collect it all. Don't take all the tithe and gather it all up, and then you have this big chunk that you can go, look at what I'm giving. No, he's saying, instead, do it every week so that you can keep your heart open. And as you get, as you get paid, as you get money in, that's when you bring it back to the Lord. That's a, a something. Well, what if taxes are taken out first? I know that God wants the first part. What if taxes are taken out first? Well, it's whatever part comes to you. God's not being ticky-tacky about it. Don't be legalistic about it. We're not trying to get legalistic about it. Are you giving? Did the government take over? No, no, no. Listen, you bring your gross income, the part that, uh, that, that, that before taxes, before everything, that's allotted to you. That's what you would say, I'm going to bring in the first part that comes to me. Now, someone gave this example. If I have $10 right? $10 in my hand. And you say, well, if God has a 10th, which one of the $10, which one of the $1 bills are God's? And what's the answer? The first one that leaves your hand. See, it's not just one of the tens God's and you're like, oh God, I ran out of money. I don't have the money to tithe. No, it's the first one that leaves your hand. So if you spend the first one that leaves your hand on you, then you spent God's money on your jeans <laughs> and you spent God's money on your car payment. Then you spend God's money on your house payment on whatever it is, right? So he's saying, I want you to take the first thing that when it comes into your hands, the first part of that comes back to the Lord. It's, it's a principle all throughout the word. And I'll go back over it at some other time. But he's saying, I want the first of the first. Don't get caught up in legalism on this. Personally, I have, and I have for many years, I have uh, on the 15th and the 30th, I have an auto deposit. Money will come into my account on the 15th and on the 30th. What I do is I get up on the 15th and the 30th. I go and I open up my online bank account. I'll look at it. And what I'll do is I'll stop and I'll say, God, I want to thank you for everything that I have. I want to thank you for your continued blessing upon my life. Good times, bad times, up times, down times. And God, I bring to you right now the tithe. And I'll send it off very first thing. Sometimes I see that, you know, there was something that was already paid, auto paid or, you know, something like that. God's not getting tacky, ticky tacky and say, you stole my tithe. No, no, no. What I'm doing is I'm saying, Lord, this is the first that I'm bringing to you. That's why in our push pay, we even have auto pay. And I think it's a good thing to get set up on so that auto pay can just come, uh, come out. I have, uh, 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 I've done this for years and I'm just telling you, I know it's something according to the word of God, I believe with all of my heart that God has a blessing in that. So it does take care of the church. Number two, takes care of the house of God. Number two, tithing comes, these next four are for you and they're a little bit shorter. Tithing comes with the promise of blessing. Can you say promise of blessing? In other words, you can't tithe and God not bless you. He says, prove me, try me now in this, that if you tithe, I promise to pronounce blessing upon your life. He says, try me now in this and see if I won't open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that you don't have room enough to receive it. What is he saying? I'm going to pour out more blessing on your life than you're able to receive it. See, it's something that's happened. I, I, I told you this a couple of weeks ago that all of my life, I've just had this on my life to where everywhere I go, whether I know people or not, whether I'm in the circumstance or not, I just am empowered I'm blessed of God. The hand of the Lord, the wind of the Lord is in my sails. It's not because I'm special. In fact, I know I'm not. 
The only thing is I got to I choose to get on God's side. I remember when I was in college that I was trying to, uh, you know, support my way through college. My, my parents didn't set aside money to do that. And, uh, and I, was, I was trying to go through. And I remember this one time. I mean, there's so many examples I can give, but I was thinking about this this morning. I remember this one time where... I had to go to uh, to go to a uh, at the music center in Los Angeles. It's uh, where they did twenty plus Academy Awards and all that. But the L.A. Philharmonic Orchestra would play there at the Dorothy Chandler uh, Pavilion. And I remember uh, I I had to turn in this report because I was I, I have a graduate degree in in orchestration, like in uh, you know conducting and all that kind of stuff. So anyway. So I was, I was going to there, and I, uh, the, my friend said, did you get tickets? And I went, shoot, I didn't get tickets. And they said, well, I don't think you're going to be able to get in. And I thought, well, I have the blessing on my life. So I guess, I go, just come with me. Come on, let's go. So we drove all the way down to L.A. You know, it was about 20 minutes or so. So we drove down to L.A. We get out of the car, we park, and we get in there. And I remember just saying to the Lord, Lord, the blessing of God's on me. I'm not using that as an excuse not to plan or anything. But I walked up, and I'm standing in front of the, the uh the, the, you know, the, the box office and they were just about to close the doors. And I said, Hey, uh, I'm just looking and, and, and I'm looking at the tickets and the ticket price. I had about four friends or five friends with me. And, uh, and then I said, Lord, you know, you know, I really need tickets, you know, for this. And, and a lady walks up to me and says, Hey, are you looking for tickets for this? I said, yeah, I sure am. And she goes, well, I have some tickets right here. And she pulled them out. There was about five tickets. And she goes here, just enough for me and my friends. And I said, Oh, how much are they? Oh no, for you, they're nothing. They're free. So she just hands them to me. And I said, Oh, Oh, well, thank you. So I turned around to my friends. Okay. I said, okay, it'll be about 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 20 bucks. So no, I'm just kidding. I didn't sell it to them. I didn't sell it to them. I went ahead and passed on the blessing. So I gave it to each one of them and we walked in. And I remember as they walked in, they looked at us and they said, Oh, come right up front. Oh, come right here. They, they escorted us to the very front row. The, it was the vice president of the whole Philharmonic. And I sat right next to her. And watched this whole thing, and I just thought, man, it's pretty good for not getting tickets ahead of time, huh? <laughs> then in the thing, she said, hey, Essa uh, Pesek, you know, uh, who, who's the, who's the uh, orchestra conductor, he was like world famous, and he had just come on. She said, do you want to go meet him afterwards? And I said, sure. You know, that was kind of what I was, sure. Afterwards, she takes us in the back. We walk, I meet the conductor. I meet, you know, walk all throughout the back, say hi to, you know, else. And I just thought, that's the blessing. But you know, that's not just something that I earned. I couldn't have set that up. I couldn't have afforded it in my own pocket. Do you know God doesn't need money to bless you? I remember Jesus walked in the blessing and he fed 5,000 plus women and children with, he didn't even have the lunch. He said, what do y'all have, (laughs) right? Well, the little boy over here, he has this, bring it to me. Lord, we thank you for it, distribute it. And he blessed it. And what did they do? He spoke blessing and he fed over 5,000. He did it again with 4,000. We see that the Lord didn't even need cash in his robe to care for people. Do you know that God doesn't need your little job and bank account and investments to bless you? He can supersede all that stuff. All he's got to do is pronounce blessing and you walk in it. Somebody say amen. amen. Tithing comes with a promise of blessing. Number three, tithing protects you from being ripped off. Somebody say ripped off. Tithing protection. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. There's a destroyer out there. Have you ever felt like the more money in I get, the more money it goes out? Money in, money out. I'd stop saying that if I were you because that's not the blessing of God. The blessing of God doesn't only bring in, into you, the blessing, the blessing of God protects you. 
It protects you from being ripped off. Uh, in the book of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, You've sown much, but bring in little. You eat, but don't have enough. You drink, but are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. You ever feel like that? Like you get some more and it just goes right back out. What in the heck is going on with my finances? I was happy yesterday and it's all, there's the 15 bills that come in today. But the Bible says one of the blessings on your life of tithing is that he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I remember when I was in, uh, when I was in college and I bought all these books and I had like this gang of books, you know, and this, this bag, I had this leather bag and I would sit it out in front of these apartments that I lived in and I wouldn't, I trust everybody. I wouldn't lock my doors I wouldn't, you know, I'm just like, uh, you know, here, throw my keys. You know, and I'm still that way. I just trust people, and maybe I shouldn't, but I do, okay? So I remember, though, I came in late one night from working, and I had my bag of books, and they were sitting in the front, and I forgot to bring them inside. There was about $400 of books or so, and they were sitting inside of my car, and I walked back out early in the morning to go to class. I opened up the door, and doggone it, somebody opened up my door, and they took my bag of books. Lord, bless, heal, protect Whoever that's going after right now, bring salvation in Jesus' name. And so I remember looking at, the, looking in my car and thinking, doggone it, where is that? But you know what I did? I stopped and I said, I'm not going to claim loss in Jesus' name because I'm a tither. And he rebukes the devourer for my sake. So in Jesus' name. Now, I told someone that and they said, oh, yeah, right. I mean, someone's going to bring back your books. I had my wallet in there. I had all my ID, all my stuff in there. And you know what? For two or three days, I just didn't. I said, I don't claim loss. I'm a tither. I get this call on my phone. And what's the call? Hi, is this David Derman? You know, <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, this is David. Yeah. Um, yeah, we found a bag. It was over in the alley. It's full of books. It has your wallet. It has all this kind of stuff. Do you want it back? Yeah, sure. Where are you? I'll go pick it up. I went and picked it up. Nothing was gone. How did that happen? I don't know. Maybe the guy like took it and started to take it out and his hands got caught on fire or something. He said, I'm touching the blessing. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I didn't pray against him or anything. I just prayed, but God protected my stuff. That's happened over and over and over and over and over. I don't claim loss when something comes in. Why? Because the blessing of God is on my life. There's a guy named Sir John Templeton. Sir John Templeton. And uh, I remember many people would know this Sir John Templeton as a billionaire founder of the Templeton Group of Mutual Funds. In 1999, Money Magazine called him arguably the greatest global stock picker of the century. What many people don't know is that his faith played a significant role in his life and his career as he, was dedica he dedicated his life to giving and helping others. In 1987, he was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II for his philanthropic uh, pick um, efforts and Templeton is estimated to have given away over a billion dollars in the course of his life. One reporter noticed a difference on how Templeton handled a profession that often was riddled with pressure and anxiety. His unerring ability to stay calm as an investor is bolstered by his religious faith, which seems to free him from fears and doubts that paralyze others. Convinced he's a beloved child of God and that spiritual wealth is vastly more important than monetary wealth, he's never been rattled by the market's plunges. Even when he took a beating, Templeton said, I was never depressed or despairing. Templeton called tithing the single best investment 
anyone can make. He said that tithing always gives the greatest return on your investment. He was committed to this principle in his own life, and he also advocated it in the lives of others as, they, as an essential ingredient for a happy and successful life. He said, I've observed over 100,000 families in my years of investment counseling, and I always saw greater prosperity and happiness among those families who tithe than those families who didn't. I think he knows what he's talking about, and I think God knows what he's talking about. Number four, tithing protects your business and your investments. Tithing protects your business and your investments. He says, nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, here in Malachi chapter 3. Notice, tithing will work, and the blessing of God will work despite the economy. Oh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Should I pull my investments out? I don't know what to do. Oh, I'm just not sure. I know what to do. Make sure you're in partnership with God. Yeah, despite the economy. Genesis 26, verse 12. Remember Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac was blessed, and the Bible says that Isaac sowed in the land of, of, of famine. Uh, he, this was a famine upon a famine, a double famine, and he reaped the same year a hundredfold. Why? Because he was blessed. Businesses are going under in this next year or two. They are, but not all of them. <laughs> Come on, I said not all of them. Not every business is going under. Some businesses are going up. Just this last week, I was with a friend in California. He had started a business just a few years ago, and, uh, and God's, I know he was tithing, and uh, he's a good friend of mine, and he began to be blessed, and the Lord's blessing him. Well, I saw him at the memorial service that we were at last, uh, last uh, Sunday, and I went up to him, and I said, hey, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I said, how's your business doing? I know that COVID and all the things and the shutdowns. And he looked at me, he said, doing awesome. I said, really? He goes, better than ever. He said, man, God gave me some ideas and things are just boom. Why? Because it supersedes this economy. The blessing of God's on him. Somebody say, amen. I remember reading a story about a guy who was in the depression. He wasn't even saved, but he owned a business. And he was about to file for bankruptcy because he went to the bank and the bank said, the only way you're even going to be able to preserve this business is to file for bankruptcy. Well, his wife was saved, but he wasn't. So uh, the unsaved man told his wife that, that he had told his partner that day that, hey, I think we need to try this tithing thing. And so he said, so I told my partner, you tithe at your wife's church. Neither of them were believers. You tithe at your wife's church. I'm going to tithe at my wife's church, and we're going to see how this works. Uh, he said, you pay, uh, you pay that. He later became a deacon at the church, by the way. Well, he made everyone that worked for him in his company pay tithe. And he even tithed on the business because his business was doing so bad. He said, I'm just going to go for it. He went on to tell the story that the Lord pulled him out in three months. The business was completely out of debt and back, in the, back out of the red and into the black. Somebody say amen. God's laws work whether you're saved or not. This man would even hire work uh, with students in, in the summertime. He would bring them in for summer jobs, but he would say, there's one thing, you have to pay tithe. <laughs> you can come in and work, but you have to pay tithe. Why? Because he didn't want any curses in that business. He wanted the blessing of God to happen in that business. You can't outgive the Lord. And number five, I had five things. Number five is this, tithing causes blessing from others. Malachi says, all the nations will look at you and call you blessed because you'll be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. In the message, it says, you'll be voted the happiest nation. 
You'll experience what it's like to be a country of grace. See, outsiders, people who don't even know the Lord are going to look at you. And they're going to say, what is it about them? Things are working. Is it just because he's a good businessman, good businesswoman? No, because they're blessed. They're delightful. They're happy. What is it? You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, I told you I've been in ministry for over 25 years, and I've seen two kinds of people whenever we talk about tithe. One person is a person uh, that tithes, and they say, you know, I'm blessed. God's blessed me. God's come through for me. He's done miracles in my life. I don't know how it works, but it's just work. And then I've seen other people that says, I can't afford to tithe. Do you know, uh, in, in Corinthians here, it says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. Do you know both are true? <laughs> this person, they tithe and God comes through for them. And this person, they don't tithe and they don't know why it's not working. They can't afford to tithe in the natural but I want to tell you, tithe is not something you figure out in your mind. It's not something you figure out on pros and cons in paper. Tithe is spiritual. There's a spiritual release that happens when you tithe. Something opens up in the economy of heaven over your life. That's why I'm talking about this. Again, my goal is not to get more money into the church from you. My goal is to get you blessed because that's what God wants you to be so that you can be a blessing to people. Somebody say amen today. I want to tell you one more story today. My dad, my dad went on to be with the Lord and my dad was born and raised in New Orleans, California. He was one of seven kids and he, Louisiana. <laughs> Thank you, baby. New Orleans, Louisiana. Haha, <laughs> 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 dad, that was funny. Okay. <laughs> He's in heaven now. Okay. My dad was one of seven kids and he, and he quit school at a young age. We don't know if he went to the fifth grade or sixth grade, but that's about as far as he went. Okay. He was pretty much illiterate. He couldn't read or write, but my dad was good with his hands. He was a very smart man. And, uh, I remember that when he married my mom, my mom loved the Lord with all their, loved, loved the Lord with all of her heart. Neither of them went into full-time ministry or anything, but they were both hard workers, had a great work ethic. My dad went and got a job at McDonnell Douglas. You know, Boeing bought them out, and uh, that's the big plane company in Long Beach, California, and I was raised, you know, and my dad, he, he uh, eventually retired after working 30 years at McDonnell Douglas. Well, because McDonnell Douglas had a lot of, uh, uh, a, a lot of uh, um, um, air, um, military contracts, they would have bunches of layoffs. In fact, sometimes hundreds of people at a time would get laid off. Uh, people that were educated, people that were high, people that were low, they just have to lay people off because of the military contracts. And my dad really, you know, it was a concern for him because he didn't have anything else to go back to. Again, he, he, he didn't have much except he just worked really hard. But do you know that in 30 years, my dad never got laid off? Not one time. In fact, I remember um, he would manage a crew and people would get laid off a, a above him, below him, and he'd say, didn't happen, worked. I remember one day, his boss came to him, and his boss said, Gil, his name was Gilbert, he said, Gil, I, I, I just wanted to tell you, he said, I'm really sorry to say they're about to do a big layoff tomorrow, and your name's on the list. Looks like you're going to get laid off. And so, well, okay, okay. Didn't argue about it, but he went home. I remember he came home and talked to my mom and said, hey, uh, They said, I'm about to get laid off tomorrow, but we're tithers. I don't have anything to fall back on but God. 
I remember they got down on their knees, called out to God, said, God, we're tithers. You said you'd rebuke the devourer. You said you'd bless us. You're our source, not McDonnell Douglas. And they said, and so we believe you. We put our trust in you. He went to bed that night, woke up the next morning, went to, church, went to school, went to, went to work. <laughs> Excuse me, California. Went to work. And when he walked into work, he was looking for his boss. And the boss of the boss came to him and said, hey, Gil, I need to tell you, uh, your boss isn't here because uh, we've had to let him go. <laughs> the boss who told him we're going to have to let you go, he got let go. I remember my dad came home and he said, holy God, it's not me. I don't have the talent. I don't have the backing. All I have is God. I need God. See, sometimes I wonder, do you depend on, do you, do you, do you keep the Bible so simple? I'm sure you could go on Google and find out how we're not supposed to tithe nowadays and people can figure it out and this and that. But listen, it's all throughout the Bible. But I think sometimes when you just keep it really simple and you just say, God, I just know that I need you and I need your hand on my life. I want you to do this. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes right now where you are and do this just simply, simply. Don't be convinced because I'm telling you. Just simply ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me about tithing? What are you saying to me? Maybe you don't think you can afford it. Maybe you don't think we can do God, what are you telling me to do? I bring my heart to you. This isn't a money thing. This is a God thing. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.